Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to season three of The Storytellers. Yes, we're on, uh, we've been on hiatus all summer, and we're back here in the fall with all new shows. And uh, we are heard every Tuesday at 2 o'clock and repeated again Sunday at 9 a.m. on the Living Bread Radio Network of Stations. We're also heard Sundays at 10 a.m. on the Wadsworth Community Radio Station here in my hometown of Wadsworth, Ohio. And something special this year is we're videoing all of the programs since they're originating during uh, COVID-19 from our homes. And those programs will be airing on the Fiat Television uh, Network, Fiat Ministry Network. And they'll also be available at TonyAgnesi.com and on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash TonyAgnesi. And That'll be uh, a week after the radio programs air. And then the radio shows are also podcast. Uh, the Storytellers radio program is heard on the storytellersradio.com and available on Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes, as well as all of the other wonderful places you get your podcasts. And then later in the week, it's available on the Catholic podcasting site at breadboxmedia.com. So that's it. Uh, we got a brand new season underway, and this week's show uh, features an inspirational guest. Each show does, um, and their journey and their ministries as, that they share as speakers and authors and bloggers and radio hosts and so forth. Today's guest is Emily K. Whiting. Emily Whiting is a Catholic Christian speaker and writer. Her website is emilykwhiting.com. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. Emily and I have known each other for a short period of time, but it's like we're long lost friends. Emily, welcome to The Storytellers. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I am uh, really interested, as you know, and we've talked about it, in younger people who are not only involved in the faith, but are, are, are projecting that faith into ministries and so forth. And I, I always want to know how you got to where you are, you know. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your journey in faith. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for the, the time with you. And I agree, Tony, we haven't known each other for very long, but man, it's been such a joy to get to know you. Um, so my faith started, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I was blessed to be born and raised with uh, a wonderful Catholic family, but it really wasn't until my college experience. And I think many of us could agree, you know, kind of there's that moment where your faith becomes your own. And for me, it was in college. And um, it was a, a beautiful kind of slow evolution that God just kept beckoning my heart closer and closer to his. And it, it actually transpired because of my relationship with my now husband. And um, we had always, both of us, grown in the church and grown up in the Catholic church. And we both had faith, but we didn't realize how much faith was critical for a relationship, especially a romantic one. And so we kind of had our faith in one area of our lives and our romantic relationship in another. And so when we started dating, um, we didn't last very long. We lasted for six months. And um, we, I ended up feeling very distant from God as we got deeper and deeper into our relationship. And I couldn't quite handle that because I had had a deep relationship with God before. And um, so we parted ways. And I thought that was that. We would never come back together again, um, which, of course, you already know the end of the story because he's my husband. So we did come back together. But through that experience and over the next several years, God just kept wooing my heart and teaching me um, that 
it is that he created relationships very much on purpose and he created us with these desires very much on purpose ultimately to lead us to an intimate relationship with him and so fast forward about two years later um i got kind of one of those holy spirit taps that said emily you need to call um that young man back and apologize for how things ended and then it just became this walk with christ uh, one day at a time and uh, long story short we ended up getting married and it's wonderful <laughs> tell me yes. a little bit I, I i'm interested you know when you say that your faith grew during your college years and um that's actually the opposite of what happens to a lot of uh, young people they they grow up in the faith and as soon as they go off to college um uh you know they go to mass the first couple of sundays and then they have a party saturday night and miss mass and then it becomes a a regular thing and then all of a sudden sundays are you know at saint mattress of the springs and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh they kind of lose uh, uh in, instead of growing in their faith during their college years they kind of lose it how do you how do you talk about how do you relate to that uh, what what you know what uh, insight can you give us on that situation oh my goodness i can relate so well because i definitely how did you say that the, the <laughs> that was brilliant because i was that <laughs> um you know the first couple of years of college i was everything a college kid the stereotypical would be I maybe went to church a handful of times um, and, you know, I did all the things a college kid would want to do. And that's what ultimately led me to a deeper relationship with Christ was because I walked so far away from him. And I had known a closer relationship with him before college. And so I think, you know, as I sit back and look back, it wasn't just my relationship with my then boyfriend at the time that brought that made me realize what I needed in a relationship with Christ. It was the culmination of that whole college experience and how much I had pushed Christ out of my life. Um, that when I hit rock bottom, that's when I realized I need God and I need him now and I need him to be with me. And he had been with me the whole time, but I need to invite him and welcome him back into my life and every bit of my life, not just the Sundays uh, and going to mass. I need him to be in everything, the Saturday night parties. I need to maybe stop going to some of those parties, uh, you know, and I need him to be a part of my most intimate desires because he gave me those desires and I'm, I'm chasing them in all the wrong places. They're ultimately meant to point me towards him and, um, the ultimate fulfillment that he created me for of an intimate relationship with him. So, so yeah. let's pick up on the story now. So you get back together, yeah. you make that call and you get back together. And uh, obviously from there you end up, uh, you end up married. Yeah. So we, um, it was funny. We, we went out on our first couple of second dates. We always joke, was that the first time we dated or the second time? And so on our first couple of second dates, um, I remember very distinctly having a very pointed conversation with him saying, you know, this time around, God has to come first and we have to come second for each other because you are not my God. And anytime I set you up on that pedestal, it only leads to disappointment for you and me. Um, and, and it makes uh, an undue amount of stress on a relationship and leads us ultimately to putting our hopes in something that uh, wasn't meant to be our God, right? Mm -hmm. And um, man, what a powerful conversation that was and what a man it takes to have a conversation like that and uh, to uh, stick with it with me. So I got, I got a really good one. 
But um, so we ended up getting married and a couple years into our marriage, you know, I kept driving home from work, just feeling kind of those Holy Spirit nudges saying, Emily, I want you to use your professional training for my church. And I remember kind of brushing those off thinking, okay, yeah, God, someday I'll do that. That sounds like a great plan someday. And um, then actually five years ago, last week, Tony, they, we experienced a horrific accident and we lost a family friend who um, was very young, just recently married. And it jolted me out of complacency and it reminded me that I don't know if I have tomorrow. So this Holy Spirit nudging and this deep-seated dream in my heart to use my skills for the church, it can't wait anymore. I can't keep putting it off. And that's what started this ministry that uh, I'm, I'm now working on that leads me to being with you tonight. Yeah, we have that. Uh, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go now. And we always <laughs> think we have tomorrow. And sometimes you know, tomorrow doesn't come and losing a friend like that uh, kind of is um, an eye opener to us that, you know, if we feel that nudge, if that we feel that calling that, uh, you know, we have to at some point uh, respond. And, and I think you've done that. And uh, uh, now um, you, you also started a family. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know you have an experience with, uh, with uh, Charlotte Joe and, and uh, share, share a little bit about um your uh, your uh, family for us yes we're so blessed with a beautiful family so um i got a the ministry up and running about oh i don't know probably the holy spirit nudges were five years ago it probably got up and running about four, three to four years ago and then we became pregnant with our first child and we were overjoyed and uh you know on our way to starting our growing our family and at the 20-week ultrasounds um, we went in, that's halfway through a pregnancy, and usually that's where you learn if it's a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we go in very naive, thinking that's all we're going to learn is boy or girl, and we were giddy with excitement. We learned that she's a little girl, and, uh, you know, of course, we're hit with sheer terror, too, over the, the realization of the responsibility of a little, little girl that, you know, now we're in charge of, of raising. Sure. But then about uh, 20 minutes into the ultrasounds, or 20 minutes after recognizing and learning that she was a little girl, we also got the report from the, the doctor that they could already see she had malformations from head to toe. So um, they could already see that her brain was malformed, her lip, her heart, her kidneys, and there was a large mass in her abdomen that did not belong there. And so, as you can imagine, we went from, you know, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in 20 minutes, and um, that sent us on a whole different path none of us could have predicted, and um, her name is Charlotte Joe. She, at the time, they did not know if she would survive in utero. They did not know if she did survive in utero, what would life look like once she was born, would she be physically and mentally handicapped? All of those things were very unknown. The one thing that was known was that she could not survive with her body the way it was, and it would require an immense amount of surgical intervention. And so um, that, that day when they saw that first ultrasound, we were offered abortion as a solution. Um, and of course, my husband and I, having been raised in the church, we knew of the value of life, and that, that wasn't an option for us. Even just saying that out loud, you know, makes me tear up thinking that we might have lost our, our daughter um, making that decision. But 
um, the beautiful thing was the doctors rolled up their sleeves and they were just as all in in helping her and, and, and saving her life as we were once they knew we were, we were all in. And so that set us on quite a journey, Tony. Um, she ended up making it through the pregnancy. And I remember every night, you know, putting my hands on my belly and just thanking God for one more day with this little spirited girl. And then the next morning waiting, at, you know, and holding my breath till I could feel that first kick to know that she'd made it through the night and I would get one more day with her. And um, so she made it through 37 weeks of pregnancy. And at that 37 weeks, the doctors decided she would have a better chance outside of the womb than in. So we were induced. And um, Tony, I got to hold her for about 30 seconds and, and alive. And it was the most beautiful, precious time. Um, and then she was swept away and we didn't get to hold her again for another week. Um, she had her first surgery when she was five days old. And she spent the first 72 days in the NICU. She's had 11 surgeries total so far. She has another one scheduled for this October. And she'll have many more before she's 20. But to see her today, Tony, you'd never know that she had this medical history. That's such a wonderful, wonderful story. And, and a faith story as well, you know, when, when you're faced with that um, the easy way out sometimes is not the is not the best way, and and now that she's uh, older, you 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 wonder, you know, if you ever if you know uh, that she's still with you and with you and growing and and yeah, a lot of surgeries and so forth. But um, it's such a beautiful story. Tell there's some some things with her. I know she got to meet a couple of couple of senators and, and uh, involved with the Cleveland Clinic here and. Uh, Northeast Ohio. Tell us a little bit about that, There's some recent happenings with uh, with Charlotte Joe. Yes, she's become quite famous. <laughs> so uh, Cleveland Clinic, we were so blessed with the opportunity. They asked us to represent them for the Speak Now Family Advocacy Day. And normally, of course, pre-COVID, that would have been an in-person day on uh, Capitol Hill where we would have met with legislators, senators, representatives, and shared Charlotte's story and helped them learn how healthcare policy that they implement on Capitol Hill ultimately impact kiddos like Charlotte and the care that they can receive. And um, so it was all done via Zoom because of COVID. And it was so fun. Uh, we sat right here and actually Charlotte has a little brother as well who's one year old. So between the two of them, they kept all the legislators uh, rolling, you know. And um, it was really quite neat. We ended up talking a lot about pro-life um, and we talked a lot about how different policy uh, affects things like insurance and how we are able to reach um, care with different specialists across states. Because Charlotte has over 20 specialists who she sees very regularly to attend to, you know, the head-to-toe anomalies that uh, she has. So it was quite an experience. You know, part of uh, my second book talks about turning misery into ministry, and you certainly have done that. I'm sure you've had people, you know, faced with, with similar situations, and, and they just don't know even know where to begin. And I know part of what you do is to kind of encourage and help and so forth. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Not knowing where to begin, I can relate to that. I remember the first a uh, couple weeks after we received that diagnosis, I um, I just fell to my knees in prayer one day and, and just kept asking God over and over, you know, how am I going to do this, God? How am I going to 
make it through with a child with such immense amount of needs. And I felt an overwhelming piece of him telling me, Emily, you're going to do it one moment at a time and you're going to do it with me. And, you know, not one day at a time, not one week, not one hour, but literally one moment at a time. And you're going to hold hands with me and we're going to, we're going to do this. Yeah. And, uh, an uh, analogy I use uh, is how do you eat an elephant? And one, one bite you know, at a time. One bite at a time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you have this huge elephant in front of you, years of surgeries and, and specialists and doctors and, and doctor visits and so forth, you really have to take it, uh, you know, one uh, biteful at a time, right, to, to, to in order to, to get through it. Yes. And what a great teacher on complete dependence on God, right? Um, and complete surrender. I remember um, one big thing I struggled with early on in the pregnancy was uh, the best way to, to um, make an analogy of it was kind of a clenched fist of control and fear over this child, right? Um, fearing the loss of her, um, clenching my fist around controlling the situation. And as God kind of worked on my heart, I kind of felt my fingers loosen and open up to actually receive the gift he was giving me in this little girl and to enjoy her day by day. And we'll worry about tomorrow when we get to tomorrow. But for today, this baby's very much alive. And so it's, you know, it's a gift to enjoy. That's pretty so, much that. That's pretty much the way we should all be living our lives, huh? Yes, sometimes I have to remind myself now that we're out of the thick of, of that, uh, you know, terrible time, or, or I shouldn't even say terrible, just really intense time. It, it's easy to forget and start clenching again. What is uh, Charlotte Joe's uh, Caring Bridge? I know you have uh, put yeah. together. Tell us about that. Yeah, at caringbridge.com, we have a uh, website page we created and truly it was very organically created the day she was born uh, my family members wanted to know updates from the hospital of how she was doing so we created this page to keep them updated and I update it now I, it was daily when we were having daily medical things going on now it's about every two to three weeks I provide updates and it's amazing Tony it's grown organically I don't think I've ever even shared the link myself but somehow there's thousands of people following Charlotte's story and just so interested in wanting to know what's going on I think I think truly because she is a front row seat to watching God work countless miracles um, and it's been amazing the support system that have rallied around her um, so you can actually find the, the web page on my website uh, to, to get some quick, easy access to follow Charlotte's story if you'd like. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about your ministry, uh, Emily. I know you do some work with Theology of the Body and, you know, Daughters of Dignity and Sons of Honor is one of your topical areas. Walk us through uh, the direction that your ministry has taken you. And, and uh, you know, if somebody's interested in having you speak uh, for their organization and so forth. What are some of the things that uh, that you talk about in your in your uh, in your public speaking? Absolutely. Well, my tagline is real life, real love, real faith, and that pretty well sums it up. So, uh, what I talk, what I speak, and write about are are real life experiences, uh, real life application of faith, and experiencing and talking about the real love with a capital L of Jesus Christ uh, through our faith. And so. Um, in, in my blog, in my writing, I get very real. And it all started because when those Holy Spirit taps were kind of tapping me on the shoulder, asking me to speak and write, um, 
I started praying into that and saying, okay, God, I can speak and write, but I don't want to be a sounding gong. What do you want me to say? You know, that's going to, going to share your love. And I felt him uh, over the course of, of really a year or two of praying, telling me, I want you to share the depths of your heart and what's led you to the depths of my heart. And that is this journey that I experienced of realizing the value of our desires, the purposes for them, the value of relationships, why we were created male and female, and um, how ultimately we are created to have intimate, deep relationship with Christ and our relationships here on earth help lead us closer to that, or at least that's the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And so I set out speaking about that, really sharing my own personal journey, sharing how I did a lot of things wrong, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, I did all the things that culture tells us we should do. Um, I knew the right from wrong from the church, but I did not know the why, and it, it was up here, but it wasn't in my heart. And so, um, but through that experience in college, it became very much in my heart because I experienced the immense mercy of Jesus Christ and the overwhelming love of him, even after I had shut him out of my life for so many years. So that's what I set out sharing in my speaking and writing was really uh, sharing those experiences, hoping I could help other folks to not have to go through all the hard learned experiences I did. And then when Charlotte Joe came along, um, you know, I took a little pause from the ministry, got Charlotte to a stable place medically. And then when I came back to the ministry, I got an overwhelming request for speaking, but a lot of folks wanted to know Charlotte's story and they wanted to know how we had uh, stayed strong in the faith through it all. And so it's beautiful because really both messages uh, are very rooted in theology of the body, which the very short explanation of theology of the body is the fact that our bodies, our physical bodies, make visible to, to our eyes the invisible love of God. And um, at the end of the day, both topics, you know, of talking about relationships and God's design for desire and for male and female, and also sharing Charlotte's story ultimately are rooted in theology of the body. So now I share uh, talks on eight different topics that all come back to those two kind of formational uh, columns, which are both rooted in theology of the body. And raising young children, uh, you know, we have, we're raising them in a secular you know, sex craze uh, world and and being able to negotiate that is becoming uh, a much more difficult challenge for young couples. Yes, and it's very overwhelming. You know, it's, it's easy to almost feel like we as parents can't uh, overcome or have influence on our children because of the weight of the culture that truly is sex crazed and selfish. Um, but it's uh, incredible, and, and one of my, my talks is, as you said, Raising Daughters of Dignity and Sons of Honor, How to Raise Kids in a Sex-Crazed World. And it provides in that talk very basic things we as parents can do in our day-to-day -day in how we talk about each other, how we, how we interact with our children, how we, how we love our children, to um, start teaching them the values of their bodies and teach them that their dignity is rooted in Jesus Christ, help them truly embody what it means that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So there are many ways we as parents can implement these truths in our day-to-day, -day, and we have more influence on our children than I think we ever really recognized or, um, you know, 
that we definitely have the most influence on them. And if we don't influence them, culture will. So the more we can get out there and talk with them and, and be an um, example for them about our, our own honor and our own dignity and value, uh, the more we can help them in their life. Tell our uh, listeners who might be interested uh, in having you speak at, you know, at their church group or their women's um, uh, day of renewal or whatever, uh, how to get in touch with you uh, and, um, and, and to talk about uh, scheduling you to, to speak. Absolutely. You can come to emilykwhiting.com and there there's a contact form. You can also email me directly at emilykwhiting at gmail.com. Um, and you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I would love to chat with any of you, uh, whether it's for a speaking opportunity or if truly you just want to interact one-on-one -on -one and have some conversations um, of, you know, about maybe your personal life. I would be happy and honored to do that. I know with COVID that tends to limit a lot of group gatherings. So if there's any kind of virtual events you'd like to do, uh, the beauty of technology, we can certainly make that happen. So I'd love to hear from, from anyone who's interested. That's wonderful. Emily, thank you so much uh, for being with us uh, on the program. Uh, you have a, a, a wonderful, inspirational story and and all the best in your ministry. Uh, you know, as you know, I pray for your success with your ministry and, um, and uh, my best to Charlotte, Joe, and the, and the guys too, to the, to the guys in the family there as well. It's been yeah. great, uh, great having you with, with us today. That's our Thank storytellers you, uh, for today. Uh, Emily K, and that's the uh, letter K, middle initial K, not K-A-Y, emilykwhiting.com is her uh, website and she's available on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and in all of those places. Emily uh, joins us. She's a Catholic writer. She's an amazing speaker, and I'm sure you would enjoy having her uh, at your church or your uh, group. Well, uh, that's our first of the series of uh, season three. We'll be back again next week at the same time with another edition of The Storytellers. Remember that we air at two o'clock every Tuesday and repeating at 9 a.m. every Sunday on the Living Bread Radio Network. And immediately following those programs, exactly about one second later, they're available online at thestorytellersradio.com. And that's at every one of your favorite podcasting sites that you might have, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, all of them, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, they're all available there. The video version of the program will air on the Fiat uh, uh, television network, uh, Fiat ministry network, and they'll be on my website at TonyAgnesi.com and on my YouTube page at YouTube.com slash TonyAgnesi. That's our show for today. We'll see you again next week on another episode of The Storytellers. God bless you.